Yo, what's up, guys? Yo, what up? Welcome back to the pod. We just had a dope conversation where we talk about some NFTs. Uh, we talk about cryptocurrency. We talk about uh, startups. We talk about Temple Mill. Talk about uh, rapid prototyping or MVPs, minimum viable products. We talk about the co-founder of Netflix, Convo. Yep, yep. It was a pretty good one. It's a, it's a little uh, startup heavy, but I feel yeah. like if... It's nonetheless, it's a really entertaining uh, conversation. We also got a special segment coming to you where we go through Truman's Twitter. Explain that tweet. Explain the tweet. So, you guys, this is a banger. Listen up. Hope you like it. And if you do, you can check us Ooh. out on Instagram. Check us out at Convos with Humans. You know, TikTok, uh, Twitter at Convos W Humans. Uh, and if you leave us a review, then I'll kiss you on the mouth. <laughs> Just kidding. But if you left us a review, it'd be super, super dope. <laughs> on Apple or Apple reviews, I think is yeah the main place where people yeah, yeah. leave reviews. Uh-huh. So, all right. Also, excuse Anyways, uh, some uh, some puppy dialogue. We in get this distracted. We uh, have a brand new puppy running around, so don't don't hate. If you hate, you're a puppy hater. If you're a puppy hater, then. Get off. Get off. Leave. This isn't a podcast for you. All right. Anyway. (laughs) Honestly, I've been feeling mad creative this week. I don't don't know if it's because new pup vibes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've been feeling like super creative. I've just like been doing a ton of stuff on my iPad and um, I mean business stuff too. Just like design stuff that I've been kind of having roadblocks for for a while yeah it's like when you look at one thing for so long it's hard to solve it from a different perspective yeah but when i'm able to like look away from a project and then come back to it later uh can kind of like look at it differently yeah new perspective so yeah i've been feeling super uh creative and one of the first things i want to talk about on this episode is something that at first, I heard about it from Digital Jeff, mm-hmm. who was on the podcast. Yeah. And on my at Mike's Matrix Instagram, I've been posting like more like art, like digital collages and stuff. Like, yeah. I've been kind of transitioning away from just like plain photos. At, well, it's not that I'm transitioning away or whatever. I'm just going with the flow and I'm like not caring. You know, like I don't care how many likes it gets. I don't care like... I'm solely creating something that I think is cool and like putting it out. Yeah. And I'm not trying to like do a post that's going to get the most likes or mm-hmm. whatever. So, um, when I first started doing these, uh, when I first started doing these, oh wow, that sounds so much better. Yeah. I'm, I get in the habit of holding the microphone. <laughs> when I first started doing these like digital collages, um, Jeff said, He's like, yo, you should uh, check out Rarible and uh, list these as NFTs or NFTs. Uh-huh. And I was like, and then he said he has, he's doing some NFTs of his Guru Cats cards. Oh, yeah. So what an NFT is, is a non-fungible <laughs> token, I think. Yeah. If I said that right. And pretty much, like, what it is, is, like, on built on the Ethereum blockchain. Is it fungible? 
I've heard I people say it differently, okay. but yeah, it's just probably because it's like kind of a new-ish thing. Yeah. yeah, it's not that new, but um, I'm just now kind of like learning about it. Yeah, um, and because we were really into the crypto world, I'd say like at our heaviest two or three years ago and then we kind of got distracted you know building a business and whatnot like doing those types of things um and it's interesting like i was looking at like previous transactions that i had in my coinbase and um i sold like in ethereum for 295 dollars yeah now it's like 1500 bucks yeah and uh i think of like in the past, if we would have, like, every dollar that we made, like, let's say we saved up all of the, uh, like, projects and just, like, cut it really cheap. If we would have put all that money into crypto at the time that we were, like, into it and then just, like, survive for a little longer, we'd have bang. Yeah, I know. <laughs> However, it makes me think of, like, is my future self going to say that about me now? He's like, because every time you're like, oh, I feel like I'm getting in too late it's just the start of a new wave and it's about do you believe in it long term and i definitely believe in the blockchain and cryptocurrency long term for sure yeah. it's like do you believe in the internet uh-huh. <laughs> and um like when i remember when bitcoin hit like 20k even when it hit 10k it was like ah, dang 10k yeah yeah but then you don't know it's gonna hit 20k then when it hit 20k it was like holy cow this is a peak uh it's gonna crash or whatever nope now we're at 50k Mm -hmm. which is like history (laughs) yeah so back to the nft thing um it's for like digital collector's items that you uh set your price for so let's say it's like 0.01 ethereum which would maybe be like i don't know i'm I'm not even – I'm bad enough. Maybe like 30 bucks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or like you can put like a really small number, but some of them are selling for hundreds of Ethereum. Like uh, this Tron Cat was sold for over half a million dollars. Wow. Uh, someone sold a digital property about like two weeks ago for $1.5 million and is the record NFT. Like the highest that any like, uh, that people have done yet. But people are selling like fine art and uh, for high prices. Like, yeah. so I'm thinking of getting involved with NFTs because as I kept posting, I've I had like other people say, "Yo, you should do this as an NFT." Like, bring up that idea. Yeah. Um, and also from TikTok, it feels like it's kind of trending right now mm-hmm. or at least like the start of a, a new trend because i feel like it'll be uh, a long-term idea with cryptocurrency but just like a slow adoption curve yeah because the process of like setting up a new wallet and connecting like all that stuff seems to like confuse right the general public for sure but it was making me think about like with with temple mill like when we're making videos, like what we're doing is video is like digital online communication. It's like a way to communicate with your audience or finding an audience online. And it's like a medium of communication. Like there's different forms, you know, there's like text and like emails or blog articles or posts. 
and then I keep hitting those hard, I know. hard peas. I need to maybe pull back the. Yeah, maybe. we need to get a pop filter. Um, but um, what was I saying? I got distracted by the pup in the, the vi- microphone. Uh, videos are means of communication. Is a means of communication, and oh yeah, on this the cryptocurrency topic. Yeah, and it's like we. As we're like producing videos for other brands, we're helping them communicate with their audience better. Yeah. So the way that we really like can make an impact on the world is by being selective of the brands that we work with and helping them have a better voice so that they can solve their problem better. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think about like what are certain like areas where you know brands need to communicate. They need to prioritize how they communicate. Uh, with their audience and cryptocurrency is one of those topics that's like I feel like a great area like that could use help with video because they need to be educating constantly putting out content if they want to be like adapting new like some cryptocurrency companies they don't care about adapting new uh, adopting new adopting new customers because they can get them from like really nit they're looking for really niche people that they can target not just like getting the pub- general public on board with cryptocurrency yeah but i feel like if we were to find like uh brands whose mission is like adapt like getting the world involved with crypto and then we uh accept cryptocurrency payments with them it may be like a it's just like a cool industry I want to get involved with. Mm-hmm. And that could be a dope way to start getting involved is like maybe doing like a, a temple mill doc on them and reaching out for like an interview with like their founder and making like a dope, uh, like 10 minute style doc. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um but I wanted to talk, there was something else that you were talking about of, uh, like brain management. Oh, well, I mean, so check out this segue. Yeah. So uh, when I think of NFTs, I thought of uh, something that Cal was talking about when we had him on the podcast Uh uh, was he was talking about like digital art and like having virtual art and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I thought of him, but also on that podcast, he was talking about uh, building a second brain Mm. and, uh, the guy that's really like a proponent of that uh way of like living or you know that infrastructure is this guy named T- Tiago Forte and uh i mean so like the whole basis behind building a second brain is like the way that he phrased it is he said the average human brain isn't like prepared or like able to deal with the average human life right now like maybe it was like thousands of years ago mm-hmm. but or like even a hundred years ago we were living a more or a less complex life than we are now and it's only going to get more exponentially more complex of like technology and uh dealing with data and all this stuff and um there's also this term called knowledge workers that mm-hmm. i found out was coined by peter drucker back in like the 50s who Peter Drucker, if you guys don't know, is like one of the biggest uh, like names, thought leaders, I guess you would say, on 
he's he's passed away now but he was the biggest like thought leader before that even was a word on uh management styles and just management in general of startups and big companies and whatever but he termed the the word knowledge workers because back in like the 50s he predicted that like the success or failure of like the coming workers is going to be uh less about like putting something here and moving something there like how the industrial age was uh it's going to be more wrapped up into like your the information like your mm. success as a company is going to largely depend on the information that you have and how you use that information rather than like moving this from point a to point b and putting this cog on this wheel and all this stuff yeah and like uh an example of that would be like how valuable just data is nowadays like qualtrics sold for a billion dollar uh valuation uh-huh. you know like it's and data is just everywhere like facebook needs it amazon needs it and it's just all information at the end of the day Mm -hmm. and how you organize and use that information is like what a knowledge worker does but also like Ah. in this in this like world of like youtubers and article people writers people that write articles like those would also be called knowledge workers because uh like largely a lot of like what youtubers do or like what writers do is they're not really necessarily generating brand new ideas they're usually pulling from a bunch of different sources and putting their own perspective on it Uh uh-huh and so you need to have uh correct information and like really credible but also like just valuable sources that you're working with Mm -hmm. and so your ability to find correct sources and then your ability to like organize them in a coherent way and then add your own perspective like that's a skill set that is very valuable in this uh culture now of like digital economy and creator economy and all uh-huh. that stuff and uh but so there's that that's like what he's known for but I was listening to a podcast of uh with Tiago Tiago Forte and they talked a little bit about building a second brain but he also talked a lot of it a lot about uh the benefits of having a newsletter and mm. so he, that guy he also has a million dollar a year newsletter. So like it generates a million dollars a year just from the newsletter alone. Wow. And he was just saying how, which like it's not uh proprietary to newsletters. What really is the power behind it is having an audience, which like we understand from like, just like having Instagram accounts or YouTube's YouTube accounts or whatever, TikTok. it's, having an audience that follows you and values your unique opinion on something. Mm. And so much so that like whatever you do, they're down to check out or purchase or Uh whatever that is. And like, it's like a community. Yeah, for sure. And it's like a community that you have complete access to and communication and they trust your, your opinion. And like, uh, so he leverages it on a, a bunch of different ways, but like, so he has like courses and stuff, but like also he he just launched a tiny home business where he's building tiny homes. Like something mm-hmm. that's completely outside of his realm of productivity and uh like courses and things like that. Yeah. And so like they were talking about on the podcast like making internet money and then moving it into other 
uh like real world things as well uh like because real estate yeah real estate like the host of the podcast was talking about how he like uh he used his internet money to buy like a uh apartment complex and then he like rents out each uh one as a separate like airbnb or something mm. and it's like he now uh he's he said he's now at the point where if like the internet would die tomorrow and he lost every other revenue stream like he he replaced his like uh internet money revenue with real like tangible revenue uh-huh and like he he was just saying like i don't want to ever like leave the internet like i love doing that stuff but if if it if i had to i have this whole building that's like covering me as well can you imagine if the internet got like taken down or like yeah blocked yeah. like restricted like in certain countries like china or where they have ex- like extremely limited I don't know necessarily what it's like, but it'd be crazy to have it taken away. Yeah. Like something yeah. happens. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't foresee that happening, but it, so if crazy. you're, if you're doing a, a, like a real world type business, like <laughs> not like an internet money business, but a real world business, what is one of those ideas that comes to your head? Like an industry that you're like, you know what? I've always liked breakfast food let's do a diner or like i don't know whatever um i i don't know it's tough because i feel like i there's not a lot of things that i would want to do i feel like i would like to do like the airbnb style things not Mm. necessarily airbnb but like uh short-term rental stuff because i definitely believe in that long term as well like yeah people are gonna like it's it's pretty much affordable uh stay vacationing yeah or like uh the like small sprinter home sprinter van communities or something like that but uh that's lit yeah that's lit um but i mean something cool that he mentioned about like the newsletter which really shifted my perspective on it which like i it makes me want to start start it Mm -hmm. up is like he said like his opinion on newsletters is that you shouldn't make it be about one specific topic Uh uh-huh i mean like if if you have it through a business you should kind of keep it around that stuff like if you have a business about dogs you shouldn't necessarily be talking about cats too Uh but like when he's he meant like in a personal sense like a personal newsletter like because a lot of people or at least my interpretation of a newsletter before or like an email list is another way to look at it is like there's not like speaking for myself like there's not a lot of things in my life that i would be able to like write my name in stone and be like this is who i am like and be like i'm gonna talk about marketing like for the rest of my life you know Uh i'm gonna talk about uh scootering for the rest of my life you know there's i don't have any one of those like passions in my life that i would be down to like uh, go publicly and be like, I'm the scooter guy or whatever, you know, uh-huh. like, w- cause I feel like a lot of people do that with their personal brand. Like, yeah. Millennial mentor or, uh, whatever millennial. So do you want to hear what my version of that is? What? Um, well, it, well, I guess it's, it's in- okay. So it kind of connects, but let's say like, yeah, millennial mentor. That's kind of, uh, 
a little bit corny. And but I feel like I also have a a somewhat of a well, we have a corny brand called Connecting Creators, and I feel like my community are like creators. Yeah. Which is kind of a big, you know, because like creator, that could be like creating music, creating art, creating designs, creating books. Yeah. It's like a really big umbrella, but it's like uh-huh. people who like create art, like their own unique voice of expression because it can be expressed in so many different ways. But I feel like uh, the way that I define that community are creators and like Temple Mill it's like we're trying to solve creators' problems, and that's what bullet boards, what like one of our up and coming projects is, yeah. is like a tool to make videos. Yeah. Um, and then you know we ourselves are creators through Temple Mill, creating videos, but also creating businesses. Like yeah, within the creator world is also entrepreneurs. Right. And like startups. Yeah. But like that, like for me, I I want to be like, if we had like a newsletter creator topics mm-hmm. highlighting creators like creator of the week or like create like tips things that are tips uh ideas video prompts inspiration um because if you kind if you like plan ahead it doesn't have to be overwhelming like if you have a strategy like mm-hmm. if you're like all right i'm gonna create uh, a newsletter one email at a time it may get difficult Whereas if you're like, you know what, here's five different types of emails uh, so that when I start, I just choose one of these types and it will give me like a lane to go through. Mm -hmm. Like here's like a calendar, like a schedule. But I feel like slow and steady and consistency is the name of the game. Yeah. Where like I would want to start with like one a week. Yeah. He said, uh, I mean, he was just giving tips on like people starting uh, at the beginning. He said... At the beginning, you need to just like kind of manually add people. Like you have to be a, a moderator. Uh, well, you have to be the one. Like you have to be a uh, almost a e- evangelical about your email list at the beginning. Like you have to be. Like he said that he would go out to coffee with someone. Like, like let's say like you went out to coffee with like someone that just DM'd you or whatever in the local area. Uh huh. Like, in that scenario, when you wrap up, you just say, like, yo, would you mind, like, if I add, put your email down on my email list? Like, uh, he he had to do a lot of that at the beginning, where, like, you have to do that for the first, like, 100 people. You have to be the one that, like, approaches people. and Get it in person. Like, get it in person. Because he said that, like, not only are you adding people onto your email list, but, like, those people at the beginning are more, like, uh, diehard fans of you then sometimes like a lot of the people will be down later down the road yeah. because like they met you, they had a 30 minute conversation with you. They, Oh yeah. Like they, well, I mean, I feel like even in, in my journey and the temple mill journey, the, some of the most meaningful relationships were just like a brief meeting, like one time, mm-hmm. but then they followed on Instagram and we like kept in touch. Yeah. And there's like, when we were living in Jersey and, uh, we were doing networking events all the time, and we were always like, literally, always somewhere new, yeah, and always meeting new people. Yeah, there were so many people that I met just like one time. I know, yeah. But we were able to like keep in touch through uh, social media, yeah. and that's so dope. Like making, like I want, like a community of like homies, you know, like friends, like people that I'm like I would go to an event 
and want to hang out with you. Mm-hmm. Like you, like a, um, I don't know, just like, I guess part of that is like identifying what that community looks like so that we can attract the right people. Yeah. And like being authentic, like, um, but I think it starts with like the things that we're like doing, like the podcast and yeah, our brands that uh-huh. we're building. It's just like, yeah, I've been doing a lot of like deep thinking about like my own personal brand. Uh-huh. If I want to have one, if I do what, if I did, what would it look like and all this stuff? Cause I've, as you know, I've been pretty AFK <laughs> for the past <laughs> few years Yeah, on like trying to put anything out of my own. Uh huh. Um, but I, I do think I'm getting closer to finding out what that is. Like, because like I said earlier, it's like, there's not a lot of things that I am like, su- there's a lot of things that I'm passionate about. Yeah. And that there's a lot of things that I go like, uh, I go fanatical about and then like, I'll dip out and like go fanatical about something else. But mm-hmm. like, there's not like one thing. And that was my, uh, assumption, my like misguided assumption for a long time was thinking that like you have to define like something yeah. and it has to be all about that. Like that, like I have to, like, I, I didn't want to pursue the personal brand thing. Cause I was like, I don't want to be known as just a photographer or a videographer. Like, yeah. You don't want to be so put in a box. Ma- yeah. So many things that I don't want to be labeled as in that regard. Uh-huh. But I do feel like something that I do want to be like labeled as is like a, uh, like, uh, some like buzzwords that I'll just throw out would be like entrepreneur, startup founder, uh, creative, uh, like systems thinking, yeah, productivity, like uh, future oriented. Like those, if I could just like bundle all of that together and then just make YouTube videos and articles and posts and stuff like that regarding those topics, and then uh, attracting a community of people that like value that. Yeah. Like there's there's a lot of uh like I really am attracted to like the community that like Lex Friedman has. Uh-huh. Where it's like his is pretty science. Yeah, it's like it's a little too it's like sometimes very nerdy, but like combining like his audience with like uh a more creative audience, like I I could uh really I feel like I could do well in that. Yeah. Area, but yeah, it's it's one of honestly, those Truman. You're like Harry Style vibes. <laughs> like you look like you could be a superstar. Thanks, dog. And like if you were just like documenting, you just need like a consistent process for creating. Yeah, you and know? I like practically speaking, I feel like that lane for me would be uh, a little bit of it'd be a mixture of writing, like so writing uh articles email lists that type of thing but also like aligning them so it's like i drop a youtube video that's like very uh like nathaniel drew style or mm-hmm. like uh um matt diavella. matt diavella style where it's like you're you the goal of the video isn't to like excite your audience like how Kodiko would be uh-huh and i feel like you would be better at that lane than i would be like of like Oh, like entertaining. Yeah, entertaining and like uh-huh. uh, making it like more funny and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Like, I f- I feel like m- I would like to make the type of like content that's more like provoking, like uh, mm. 
not like stoic not yet stoic not like cheesy deep but like you you can walk away from that video uh like feeling like there's something tangible that you can go use in your day-to-day life yeah you can definitely get a taste of that on your twitter yeah i was thinking of a twitter segment called explain that tweet (laughs) where we pull up one of your tweets and then we have you explain yeah. your thoughts on it. Uh, this actually, pretty sure uh, Hot Ones does this. Yeah, they so do it with the whatever. Instagram post. Oh, yeah. Ex- explain the gram. Um, the greatest sources of our suffering are the lies we tell ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> so Dude, I wow. have to say that that wasn't my words, but I've, I listened to it in a podcast. But it what it means to me, I can say that, is that there's like there's a lot of things that we are suffering from like in our lives that the reason why we're suffering from them is because we're not being honest with ourselves about it mm. like not telling the truth about like the situation we're in you can't even I- you have to identify it first yeah so like i'll i'll relate it to like uh talk about like finances and like your health as well like Mm -hmm. if if you're like the greatest suffering that you're facing in those areas like let's say you're really really out of shape it's it's like it's not that you're out of shape and that you're just like doomed forever and it's like a static thing it's more so like the problem of the whole situation is you're not looking yourself in the mirror and saying like yo buddy you're out of shape like Mm. uh and i mean like it, it has to be something that you want to change you know like i'm not saying everyone's like out of shape or whatever but like let's say you are out of shape you know when you know that you want to change it but you're not being honest with yourself and you're not saying like yo this is something i gotta work on Uh you're just kind of expecting it to amend itself yeah uh so the suffering that you're facing is not the thing itself it's more so a self-generated uh form of suffering that like that suffering would go away pretty rapidly if you just uh were honest with yourself and say hey this is something i need to work on let's develop Uh a plan to to get through this you know yeah and i feel like just overall like getting to getting to the truth and like uh like getting to the truth and like testing your assumptions is something that i'm really big on right now Uh is like uh that we just have so many assumptions in our everyday lives but especially like that becomes more apparent when you are starting something new like uh starting a startup or creating a project of anything like you go into the start you go into the start of that thing with so many preconceived assumptions about like what's going to work what's not going to work is this a good idea? Of course it's a good idea because I thought of it. Like it's, yeah. there's so many assumptions that are on the table that mm. you have to look at objectively. And that requires a ton of analyzing and like testing from multiple different angles because like we're flawed human beings. We have so many cognitive biases that like we will like choose ideas strictly because they're our ideas and came from our head. Uh-huh. And, but that doesn't mean that it's a good idea and in the world of like startups like it's the market that decides whether something's good or not like yeah. and so you have to just it's uh, so i feel like starting a company is like such a humbling thing because yeah you got to be you, prepared to suffer you put so much uh 
like you have to drop your ego so quick or else you're not mm-hmm. going to make it because you like have this idea that you want to do and you put it out there and it's like you think it's the best thing in the world but then the market tells you ooh but i'm just going to go over here like it's cheaper it's better it's faster whatever it is and yeah. you have to face the reality that like you got to pivot mm-hmm. and like a lot of people don't like pivoting because to them they see it as like i was wrong but yeah. it's really not that it's just that your i your assumption was wrong and if you could uh like sort through those assumptions quicker like that's why mvps are so big is like an mvp is just you're testing your assumptions in the lowest like uh the lowest stress way you know yeah like and uh yeah okay so i got another tweet okay um the goal is to not avoid suffering the goal is to embrace suffering and grow from it yeah so i mean using the same example that we're talking about of like let's say suffering is you like you you don't want to go out there and uh bring your idea to the masses because you don't want to have negative feedback come back at you Uh and like that sucks that's suffering right like that's something that doesn't feel good is like having people say that your idea isn't that great or whatever yeah but like in like as as far as a startup goes the best thing that you can do is go embrace that feedback and then change from it mm. you know and so oh, yeah, totally and it's not just in the sense of startups but that's like the most uh easily seen uh thing but like with any kind of suffering in your, in your life like you can look at it like let's say your finances or your uh diet and your physique and things like that what we were talking about earlier if you can like just go and feel that suffering for a little bit and feel like why don't why does this not feel good and mm-hmm. like uh how can i grow from it like what can i do in my life to make sure that i don't feel this every day you know yeah and um yeah starts with honest evaluation honest evaluation of where you're at is one of the most undervalued things i think okay so another one your own style develops when you invariably fail to copy someone else's style. Yeah. I love that. So I got that one from a John Mayer documentary that I was watching. Oh, lit. Because he said that early on he tried to be, like, I don't know any examples, but when he was starting out, he didn't have his own style. So he just started, like, I'm going to do what that guy does. I'm going to do what that guy does, whatever. Uh-huh. And, like, you you can never do you can never be them better than they are at being themselves. Yeah. And so you're just going to fail like immediately because if, if I'm trying to be like you, like, Mm -hmm. like everything that I post on my Instagram is going to be like, like you, like I'm, it's always going to be second at uh, second best because I am like looking to you for the inspiration and then Uh I'm doing it. So even if I'm like copying you exactly, I'm still going to be one step behind you every single time. And so, and when you're in that kind of scenario, you get compared to them more. Like people will look at you and be like, yo, you're trash. You're not as good as Mike, you know, Uh because you're trying to be like him. And so people are going to make that uh, assumption so quickly, but, or they're going to make that like, they're going to point that out. But if you are just being yourself, you can't be compared to anyone. Mm -hmm. And so you just kind of make it your own lane. Yeah. And like. Uh, I guess this also relates to like what Jaden Smith was talking about in that one interview is like, if like 
Jaden, uh, something he like thought of the analogy of like Drake or Kanye or Travis Scott. They they do something and it like lights up a step. Yeah, and he can jump on that step, but like he can use it as like inspiration to get up here. But it's not necessarily that he's like copying them directly. And like I feel like you find your own style by looking at other people and like taking pieces of it. But like you don't find your own style by directly copying someone else's style. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. No, it's real there's a, a book that you have called Steal Like an Artist that yeah. I read. Uh and uh it's just really interesting because it's this taboo thing of like copying each other's style or stealing or whatever. But you think of like some of the biggest artists have built a career off of like copying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like <clears throat> Alex Monopoly or Cause, his style, uh, or like uh Shepard Ferrier, all these different artists who just like every like you realize that everybody does it. Because yeah. you have to do it. It's like that uh ster- that steroid uh, principle that we talked about before of like <laughs> in order to uh like even compete in bodybuilding you have to be doing steroids like there's no way that you're gonna even uh you don't even stand a chance you don't even stand a chance and so it's one of those things that no one likes to talk about steroid use in bodybuilding but uh-huh. it's one of those things where you have to do it to even be like uh running like in the running of doing it yeah and i feel like uh potentially Neuralink or like a brain interface could be one of those things in the in like the future world where uh if you just want to like keep up with yeah technology progression in society you're gonna have to mm-hmm. but not everyone wants to keep up like and that's okay but if you do want to yeah and that's really interesting because facebook was taking out a patent or something for design they're designing a like brain interfaces Think about that. Like when you are using Neuralink, it's going to have a software interface in the way that you navigate. The same way with on an Xbox you go through, there's an interface on your iPhone. Like an OS. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And so they're working on designing brain interfaces. And that's a really interesting concept to think about. Yeah. And especially like we've been looking into like VR and like Uh VR office spaces. And I feel like that's going to be an easier way to conceptualize a brain interface. Yeah. It's not as much like a mobile type layout, but like a virtual reality type mm-hmm. layout. Yeah. Um, it, it made me think too, like we were talking about building a second brain and things like that, but something I was talking, I was thinking about is like, there's no like program or software that's specifically for using it as a second brain. Like right now mm. there's, there's, there's things that people use like Rome research that Cal was talking about or notion, uh-huh. but it's like notion is like more so a team, uh, software, team project, project management software that people have molded into building a second brain. Yeah. There's no like software that's specifically for like, here's where all of your ideas go. Here's where all of your, uh, whatever it goes. And I'm going to take you a step further. The software also analyzes that information and has built-in AI machine learning as a virtual assistant yeah. uh, that can do tasks for you. They can you can program it like Zapier to uh-huh. do like you know email sequences. Yeah, and it can uh, run your. It can be like a secretary for your phone calls. It yeah. can do all these different things. Yeah, I I think that another feature that would be very beneficial in uh, 
I mean, I kind of see like building a second brain as like the MVP of what like uh fully built out um Neuralink will be. Uh-huh. Like, I feel like this whole building a second brain, it's like people are doing that to uh um, like solve their problem of like not being able to do everything with their brain right now. Uh-huh. But Neuralink is going to be solving that in a much better way by having an interface directly. But it's all about how seamlessly can you integrate. Yeah, and. Um, another thing that I feel like would be super beneficial is like being able to generate, um, ideas like directly from that software. Like, Mm. because if Neuralink is connected to like all of the internet or, or let's just say like your specific, um, collection of like trusted sources that I was talking about before, like you have all these things that you go off of, like, being able to have some kind of like idea generation thing that like is kind of like uh coming up with ideas with like uh filters on them like is that all we are is ai that is programmed to generate ideas with built-in filters that is like the test of time playing them out and seeing uh which ones stand out i don't know <laughs> that's uh far left turn in a different direction i got another tweet for you <laughs> okay, though. okay keeping 17 balloons oh. from touching the ground is impossible keeping one single balloon from touching the ground is easy this is the power of focus bars and then this was just r- a really cool way of yeah describing an idea yeah. that's very visual like yeah. the balloon idea yeah and um, then the you want to read the one below it too uh-huh Grab a few friends and the task becomes exponentially easier. This is the power of team. Yeah. So, uh, Millie. Millie's whining. But, uh, yeah, that was something that I, I was able to think about on my own for that one. But it was, it's just like, like I, I see a lot of, like the beginning of a startup, like something that we're facing right now is like your, uh, kind of juggling a lot of things yeah and so i kind of saw it visually as like juggling or like like trying to like keep a bunch of balloons up Uh uh-huh and it's uh millie come over here ashley's coming back around Uh i don't know if she's coming in though um yeah like trying to keep a bunch of balloons up in there is impossible but if you just have like one person like their only job is just to keep that balloon up keep one balloon yeah and it's like when you have a a team they're only responsible for like a few key things and like that's all their role is (laughs) yeah put it put it down um but yeah, it's just like the the power of team being able to delegate and have everyone be in their specific lanes, and so that they can they can just stay focused on uh, that one thing. Yeah. And then they'll uh, they'll crush it. But if you try to do everything yourself, then you're just gonna fail miserably, and you're gonna burn yourself out. Dude, that's exactly uh, the experience it was when it was just you and me doing everything with Temple Mill. Like, yeah. We we would do projects and just get so burnt out. Because we would be editing for freaking dozens of hours per video. Yeah. And it's like, of course, that's not sustainable. And I feel like that's kind of where we've been changing towards is now, like, we have a shoot coming up and I'm not even stressed because 
we have a team helping yeah. us. Yeah. Like, it's not it, – it was stressful before because it was like – we got to make sure all the equipment, we got to make sure all the planning, we got to make sure everything just goes so smoothly. Yeah. But it's a process. All right, let's do one more tweet, but I think we should do this more on the podcast in the yeah. future because And then I want to talk about uh Airbnb or uh Netflix uh podcast I was listening to. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so um okay I, I think this one there's two and honestly hopefully this gets people to go check out your twitter because like these deserve i'm ramping more. it i'm ramping it up for these sure deserve way more faves um happiness is the byproduct of solving meaningful problems happiness is not the aspect or wait absence. happiness is not the absence of problems and that's really interesting because like you're always going to have problems. Yeah. They're just going to change as you change, but yeah. they're not going to go away. Um, and so like having an expectation of like solving every single problem, you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. And like, I'm the way the main idea that I wanted to convey there is like that you just like, I feel like a lot of people optimize their life around eliminating problems uh-huh like whether they're trying to like um and of course i mean they they optimize for getting it getting to a place in their life where they have absolutely zero problems yeah. but what they don't understand is that like the happiness in your life comes from solving a problem and like it's like we are problem solving machines and it's what like a lot of I am it's like uh we're just kind of hardwired to think that way whether yeah. it was like inventing the wheel or creating fire they were all uh problems that we were trying to solve at the time yeah and like a lot of what companies are are solving problems yeah and like it's just like a lot of people don't feel like, like, it's just my take is that when you get to a place in your life where you have absolutely zero problems, you also get to a place where you have zero meaning. Mm, and like, because you, you're not solving problems. Yeah. And so, like, I mean, you see that in the sense of like, uh, really, like, some people will say, like, I mean, in the context of startups and companies, it's like they sometimes say that, like, the worst day of their career was when they sold their company. Was she is she gonna poop or something? Gonna eat the oh okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a lot of like founders that will say like the worst day of their life or like the best day and the worst day of their life was when they sold their company mm. because they got a ton of money, but also they they just sold the thing that they were just spending like their whole like they yeah. saw so much purpose in it like. Well, usually when you're selling your business. Ten, you are put in like five, ten years. Yeah. So that's been your baby for a while. Yeah. Whoa. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my. Up. Um. God, we're all over us. Oh, she got your beanie oh now. Oh my god. Um. So uh, I want to talk about that podcast yeah, you yeah. mentioned. Um. 
Who? What? What's the podcast called? So it was a Tim Ferriss podcast, uh-huh. but he had one of the founders of uh, Netflix. And, um, we're holding you. Yeah. So the co-founder of Netflix. Yeah. So he was the one that was like with, uh, Reed Hastings at the very beginning. Uh Uh-huh. Was it just two? I believe it was just two of them. His name's Mark Randolph, which I never heard of him, but he's actually really, the red nose reindeer. He's really cool. Like I really like his ideas and how he conveys them. He's really like, uh, entertaining and things like that. But, uh, some things that I really uh, liked like some notes I took down is that he said like they really they didn't really get very far in the early days when they thought that every idea that they came up with was a good idea mm. because they put so much pressure on like maintaining its good idea like yeah. maintaining its uh like divineness of it the so purity. like they weren't uh when you approach it from that aspect you don't want to like prove it wrong uh-huh. And so you don't test it and you don't do all those, those things. Like as aggressively. Yeah. And like it made me think of how um, Key and Peel, like the comedy duo. Uh-huh. I remember listening in one of their interviews. They said that like every single idea that they have for a new uh, sketch, they they call it a flop. Like they they say like, okay, Let's like. Just imagine it's a flop. Like they, they would like put it on the whiteboard and like, okay, we're going to call this flop uh Blah 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 blah, and like they they would never call it like new idea for a sketch. Uh, Yeah, they never had that kind of uh, interpretation of it, Uh and it's kind of like along the lines of like Elon Musk. Like you never want to try to be right; you just want to be less wrong. Oh yeah. And so like when they would like put that flop out there, they all they had to do was just kind of make it be not as much of a flop, and like work from that place. Uh huh. Like let's let's uh take this time to prove like to start proving that this isn't a bad idea rather than like uh working the other way around and Mm, like down up rather than top down yeah and then bottom up yeah so every idea is a bad idea until you prove its validity through implementation and action Ooh. and this also brings me to the next point is like he he really was big on mvps and like he he would say like uh like you have to really like at Netflix they would um they would uh <laughs> they would do these uh MVPs rapid prototyping new things whether it's like a uh um new like landing page or something like that um oh my <laughs> just yeah put it on the floor <laughs> what if you put her outside Um, okay, we can even like move the whole setup over there if let's do that. Okay, hold up. I need to <laughs> the things we do for Millie. Mills, what the? Uh, so. All right, we're good. (laughs) 
Okay, so at, at the beginning, they were talking about, like, how quickly they had to do MVPs. Yeah. And, like, he, he really drilled in the point of, like, you have to make them, like, the, you know, the whole thing of, like, you need a ship now. Like, don't wait till it's perfect. He said, like, you have to, like, even when you think you're doing that, you need to really uh, test, like, test that out and, like, really push it down. Like, because he would say, like, they thought that they were doing these MVPs because they, they would take, they would like think of a new idea, a new strategy, and they would take two weeks to implement it the whole way through. Uh-huh. And like they were like, "Oh, great! Like two weeks! Like that was that was really fast, you know." But when the idea didn't work out, um, like they were like faced with the fact that like, "Wow, we just wasted two full weeks! Like, yeah, we need to push this." Like so they, he said, "Oh, like they they were at the point where like, uh." You know, they would put up a landing page. There were spelling errors. He said, like, the photos that they put on the website still had the watermark from, like, Getty Images, whatever. Like, they were just pushing stuff out to the point where they were doing, like, six MVPs a day. Like, whereas well, before they were doing, like, one every two weeks or whatever. Yeah. And, like, he said, like, shifting. Like, that's, like, the one thing that he said that he would, like, urge startup founders to do. Like, that's the single most skill that you need to have is, like, being able to rapidly put out your ideas and test yeah. them. Like, going back to testing assumptions, like, you – he said it's – being a successful startup founder, it's not about uh, having good ideas. It's about just having ideas in general and testing them fast as possible mm. because, like, you're eventually going to have a good idea, uh-huh. but it's – you have to test all of them, like, even test your bad ideas, mm-hmm. like, because you never know what's going to fully stick, you yeah. know? I thought that was like super good advice. That is super lit. Yeah. Especially, I mean, we we definitely need to uh, step up the MVP game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got a little bit longer than two weeks. Uh-huh. Ours took. <laughs> but it's all right. It's all right. We're uh, we're getting out there. Yeah. And um, I don't know. It was just a super interesting podcast because he talked about how, like, he told the story of how, like, they're them battling uh, Blockbuster. Mm. and um he like they were once like in a which i I don't know if you knew this but amazon tried to buy netflix really really early on oh for uh 10 million (laughs) dollars wow and uh they turned it down and they but then they they were at this point where they were like so close to bankruptcy that they approached Blockbuster and tried to sell themselves to Blockbuster. And uh did he say how much? Yeah. So they which is it's a really funny story because they said that like they a Blockbuster wasn't calling them back for the longest of time to like uh-huh. schedule the meeting. So uh Netflix did like a company wide retreat to like um Hawaii or something and like the guy, like, the founders didn't bring any sort of, like, nice clothes or anything because they were just going to be, like, on the beach for a week and a half. Mm-hmm. But during that uh, during that trip, Blockbuster finally called him back and was like, we'll meet with you, but he, you have to be in Dallas by tomorrow. And, like, which I feel like was planned. Like, Blockbuster had some sort of, like, plant in their company and was like, do it now or something, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> like they're going to be so, so caught off guard. And so like he told the story of how they, like there was no possible way that they were going to make it to Dallas the next day. The only way that they were going to be able to do it was they had to charter a private jet 
there mm. and they didn't have any nice clothes and so they showed up to the like they walked into the board meeting and like all of the blockbuster executives had like uh, alligator shoes on and some like thousand dollar suits and they both were wearing uh, shorts t-shirts and flip-flops oh my <laughs> and uh but so they had the conversation and stuff and like they said it was like a really like light-hearted conversation until they brought up uh how much they wanted which how much was they 50 want? million and he said that like those executives pretty much laughed him out of the room and were like no way wow (laughs) that's gotta be the worst decision they ever made yeah because we'd all be using blockbuster video still Mm -hmm. if they did yeah and then he so in that in the podcast he was just like it's such like such a wild turn of a story because now we're uh i think he said like a 300 or six 300 to can't remember if it was three hundred or six hundred billion dollar company, and Blockbuster is out of business. Because <laughs> he, oh he said at the peak, when they were having that meeting with them, they had six thousand employees, and were doing six billion dollars a year. And why would they only want fifty million if they're doing six billion yeah. a year? No, not Netflix. Blockbuster. Oh, Blockbuster. Yeah, Blockbuster had six thousand employees, and we're doing like six billion a year. Oh, so I was like, geez, so th- it's, it's all, it's all just to illustrate that Netflix was like the small fish in the pond going yeah. up against the whale, but now it's completely switched the other way around. Uh-huh. And he says, it's just like, so crazy that like that, uh, that can happen. And he, he said that like, depending on where he tells this story, like, cause he's, he does a lot of public speaking. Mm-hmm. He says that like, if he's speaking to a bunch of like startup founders, they'll be like, wow, that's so inspiring, you know, whatever, you took down that whale, you know, all this stuff. But he says when he uh, is speaking in front of corporate audiences, it's like dead silent because they realize that somewhere screwed. somewhere out there, there's a small team of people that are going to be taking your whole business down yeah. because of something that you're not paying attention to, uh-huh. you know? It's just... Uh, I want to be on the side of the small team taking yeah, over. Yeah. That is super lit. Yeah, I... Uh, my mom actually sent me a Tim Ferriss podcast the other day because I was talking to her about um, Ryan Holiday. Yeah. And she, like, looked into him more after I – because uh, I've been really inspired by the phrase uh, amor fati, which is like a – I don't who Do you know who it comes from? You probably know more about it than I. But it pretty much is just like I love it. Like, oh. when, like it's about loving the process. Like when when something bad happens, yeah, yeah. Rather than being like, oh man, I lost my pumpkin pie because I dropped yeah. it. When something bad happens, say you say amor fati, which is just like, yeah, I, I live for that. Like, yeah, I love it. And you start rather than like being afraid of failure, you start to love it. Mm-hmm. And like flip a switch. And so I was talking to my mom about, it, and she sent me a podcast with Ryan Holiday and uh, Tim Tim Ferriss, and. <laughs> Timothy Ferris. Timothy. (laughs) And uh, they were talking about, it was actually a pretty recent podcast, like post pandemic. Yeah. And they were talking about uh, how much money he lost in the stock market for a while because of his, he had shares. Ryan Holiday? Uh, Or Tim Tim Ferris. He uh, had shares, oh, Uber. Mm. And they Mm. dropped, they plummeted his shares in Uber. Mm. And so he lost a lot of money. Uh, But, Ryan Holiday was talking about some of the greats in history who lived through 
a quarantine. Yeah. Uh, and that can also be described as even like prison is like a form of quarantine where mm-hmm. you're like restricted. And we've been kind of talking about this concept of like getting art and new ideas from restricting yourself. Yeah. And um, uh, Shakespeare lived through a pandemic. Uh, I think he said Sir Isaac Newton, like a bunch of like random people. And uh, if I remember right, he said that Shakespeare wrote Macbeth while he was like quarantined. Wow. And how some of your best art and work comes from like these periods. Mm hmm. It was a super dope podcast um, because both of them are, like, stoic dudes. Yeah. Like, I didn't know that Tim Ferriss hat was as, like, interested in it. Uh-huh. But, like, Ryan Holiday, his brand, like, yeah. is stoicism. Like, right. if I say that mine is creators, he say that his is stoicism. For real, yeah. <laughs> but it's a super dope, like, I love the topic, mm-hmm. you know? Like, um, I think the first time I, like, really heard about it was probably from you and um same with ryan holiday like when i first heard about him i had no idea who he was but he was like like the first time i went to founders in new jersey gerard was signing copies of uh ego is the enemy oh yeah for like a giveaway Mm. uh where ryan sent him like a box oh that's cool and then he was like and i took photos where there's like a stack of the books and then gerard's like signing that they're epic epic shots but he's someone that I think would be dope to collaborate with in the future. Like mm-hmm. somehow work together on a project or something like that. Yeah. Cause he's got a really cool story too. Like being involved with the media, uh, with what was it? Uh, Hollister, or? um, American apparel, oh, American apparel. Yeah. And he was also really young too. Like he was like 21 their, or something. Their youngest, uh, chief marketing officer or something. Holy ever cow. Or something. He was like 20. Yeah. 21. <laughs> wild yeah the leaders create leaders episode with him they're just like at like his home in texas it's like a farm yeah (laughs) it's like goats and animals and uh he's living just like the quiet life yeah but i mean i think that's what it's all about right like getting to a point where it's like you own property you're living you're Uh sufficient you got your family yeah and i i like that like way of living it's like something that i I definitely want to work towards is like once i find like my flow uh-huh. in, in everything that we're doing, like I want to optimize for that flow and like create a environment that's going to support me in that. Mm-hmm. So like, uh, like that's why I guess I'm really excited for like fully remote work too is like, yeah. cause like a lot of like Cal Newport talks about this in the, the book, uh, deep work of how like in our knowledge worker society, getting like being a productive member of that society is a lot about going deep in your work not about being scattered in a bunch of different things Uh like the only way for you to like do some landing page designs is sitting down with your ipad for hours you know that's considered deep work or like producing an album is hours and hours of sitting in front of the computer your your like ableton or whatever you're doing or your guitar and just hammering it out and like it's a huge cycle of ups and downs, but you have to like do that work. Mm. And, but so like a lot of people, it's still a lot of people don't realize that like, this is the society that we're living in. Like when it comes to work, if you're going to be like digital, if you're going to be a part of the creator economy and all that stuff, that's like what it's all about. And so, but like some people don't optimize their living situations or their work environments for deep work. It's kind mm-hmm. of like, there's they're still working in like 
cubicles where people are talking next to them and all this stuff. Like, I feel like I speaking Raising for my, through their emails. Yeah, speaking for myself, I feel like I I do the best work when I'm like totally alone, like in like with just like a nice computer setup and everything in front of me. And it's for just me, like, it's like at night. There's no lights on except my computer monitor yeah. screen, and I'm just like in this little corner. Yeah. And for you, that time is probably like four in the morning. Yeah. Like before the, before the sun rises. I know. It, we have a little overlap where <laughs> I high five you because yeah. I'm about to go to bed. Uh-huh. And you're just waking up. I know. It. Uh, Michaela hates when I talk about like my ideal schedule. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like, I would love to like wake up at like three thirty in the morning and like uh-huh. hit the gym, sauna, and then go back like hit the computer from like 4 a.m. to 10 a.m. and then just be done for the day because like that's like a solid eight hours or whatever that is like yeah of just like pure it just like puts you uh, right before everybody else yeah (laughs) it like adjusts your schedule a few hours before everyone else it's even like 5 Uh a.m. but a step further because there's still people like if you were to go to Vasa at let's say 6 a.m. how many people are in there if you guess Oh, 6 a.m.? Yeah. Bro, something about Utah that's like, weird. I want count down. Six, five, four. Yeah. Something about Utah that's weird is, like, like I've been going to the gym and stuff, like, for a while of my life. But, mm-hmm. like, so I know what, like, 6 a.m. and 5.30 looks like at, in most gyms. But here, yeah. it seems like <laughs> m- people get up way earlier to do that stuff. Like, mm. I mean, just in general, Utah seems to optimize for fitness. Like, there's so many people that are, whether it's, like, lifting or biking or whatever like it's just a very fitness oriented state and outdoors yeah outdoors but uh i mean yeah at like 4 a.m there's not that many people 5 a.m a little bit more 6 a.m it's getting pretty lit and then Mm. 7 a.m it's really lit all the way up till i'd say like a there's like a little window around like 10 a.m that kind of slows down but then it gets lit around lunchtime and then kind of cools back down at 1 p.m to 2 30 and then lit the rest of the evening but so the best time to go to vasa is at 3 a.m that's what i'm hearing does it wait is it open at 3 a.m yeah i think it's at least the one in uh 1600 was open or uh university parkway is uh-huh. was open uh <laughs> all night long because oh. remember your wow. dad used to go at like 4 a.m or yeah something. yeah but yeah that's that's my yeah, because I've I've just noticed. Honestly, that sounds pretty lit. I uh, would be down to test the waters with like a early. Because I'm honestly now pretty used to waking up somewhat early. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like I don't know. We we don't gotta talk numbers yeah. on here, okay? <laughs> this isn't about numbers. <laughs> yeah, but I honestly I'm feeling like I want to go like superhero mode and mm-hmm. like. All the projects that we're doing, I'm looking at as if, like, this was my, like, senior college project. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm creating it as if I'm presenting it in a portfolio after the fact. Yeah. So that we can be able to say, like, as we create more projects and develop more, like, experience under our belts, uh, we have a little bit more... Um, I don't know, examples. Yeah. I think it, like proof of work. Proof of work is always super dope. And we've got a ton of like proof of work with videos and stuff, but yeah. getting into the world of like startups and like mm-hmm. uh, software, all these different like sections within creating an offer of like the landing page, the ads, all that stuff uh, is like 
I'm trying to look at it like it's like literal art. Like yeah. I want someone to land on it and be like, yo, this is dripping. Mm-hmm. So here, here are a couple lines I want people to say when they look at the landing page. Yo, Mike snapped on this fool. <laughs> <laughs> yo, this is straight fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no cap, this is <laughs> pop. No cap, this this lit AF. Yeah. Because a lot of Gen Z audience. I'm trying to like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to just like be creative and like also like do my very best work. Yeah. Like, because honestly, as I'm like looking at, I'm like, yo, like this is dope. Like, mm-hmm. I'm excited for it to get into people's hands. Like, yeah. we're finally finishing our MVP, and it looks like the wireframes. Yeah, that's a big step, dude. And it's crazy to be able to click through and it like works and navigates and it looks like it's just so crazy going from zero like nothing mm-hmm. even when it's like a brand new idea like something that's like totally new yeah to the point where i'm hoping that we can get our first amount of traction just from creating buzz like people being like mm-hmm. oh does it really do that yeah and then what the the test of data and time and like you like the market controls what's going to happen. Right. So by the time we get traction, they'll either be like, yo, this fi, mm-hmm. this is straight, no cap. Or they'd be like, man, this is some trash. Yeah. This is some foo-foo ass. Yeah. Lame. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. So I'm stoked about it. Yeah. But I'm, I'm really trying to, uh, like figure out this whole, uh, inter- internet money thing. Internet money, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, I was just like, I don't know. It kind of just like really hit me. It's funny calling it internet money. Yeah. You know, it just like, really hit me when I was listening to the podcast with Tiago Forte talking about newsletters. Uh-huh. When he just explained it in that way. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I probably didn't do it that much justice because he was spending like an hour and a half just talking about the importance of newsletters mm-hmm. from like every angle. And, uh, but I mean, I, I guess I'm feeling it way more now, like the importance of it, because it's like. The, one of the main reasons why you have an audience, whether it be a newsletter or a YouTube audience or a big Instagram following, is for, like, launches like this, where you're like, uh, hey, guys, uh, in about a month, a month, we're going live with XYZ Project. Uh, here's a link to sign up and secure your spot or whatever. Like, just, like, staying up to date with your audience and let, letting them know what's coming so that, like, right when you launch something, you immediately go into ses- testing mode with, like, real-life people. Yeah. Having that like at your disposal is the ultimate rapid prototyping like asset is being able to just like like you're literally like he he said that like the way that he likes to look at it is like he's in an arena, like he's in a stadium uh-huh. and like all these people are just sitting in the seats and he's just kind of like putting his ideas out there with a megaphone. And uh like I will take it one step further and it's like with when you're when you have that available you're able to like launch new ideas and the way that you look at it is like we're standing up on the stage with an arena of people and it's mm-hmm. just like we pull out this new idea and it's like people are like boo or like yeah you know and it's like okay well, what about this one you know it's just like <laughs> people are like wow you know and it's yeah. like you can immediately get feedback on all of your ideas by just sh- showing it or sharing it with your audience yeah and that's such that's a valuable lit. valuable way of looking at it and like uh, also it just kind of clicked in my head that like um like we 
the businesses that are that we're most passionate about or like business ideas or things like that on involve the internet in some way uh-huh. like or like that's what we know like we grew up on the internet like uh-huh. in like this digital world of youtube and all this stuff like yeah i feel like we have to whatever we do leverage that type of we're really good at googling things yeah like <laughs> we, have to, um, we have to leverage that stuff like is in the uh netflix podcast i was listening to he he's he shares like what it was like when before they started netflix because they had like a bunch of different companies that they did together uh him and reed hastings before netflix mm. like and they they were in between projects where they were both like out of work and they were just kind of like hanging out together yeah <laughs> i just like really uh saw like the way that he explained it, it like very much reminded me of some periods of our career uh-huh and like he right was, now he was like yeah i would just like hop in the car and uh i'd like look over to read and be like okay new idea today it's a dog food idea it's a personalized dog food company subscription base and he said uh reed would just be like that's trash no like okay that might work like and it was just like every day they would <laughs> every day they that would just hilarious. like every day they would just like kind of get together and uh he would have a new business idea for uh-huh. him and reed would just kind of be the filter yeah. of, of whether or not that was going to work or not uh-huh and like uh he hopped in one day and was like okay we're gonna ship dvds <laughs> and they like, like paused for a little bit and were like that could work, you know, because that's what Netflix started out as. Like mailing. Them. Yeah, mailing DVDs, like the, a rental service, but you would mail DVDs. And yeah. so their first MVP of that was uh, they drove back to their house or whatever and shipped a put a DVD in an envelope and shipped it to like one of their friends or something. And they got there the next day and they were like, this could be something, you know. Dude, that is lit. But, like, what they were – how this relates to, like, what I was saying before is, like, uh, they filtered all of their ideas by, like uh, – they knew that they wanted something to be subscription-based. Like, whatever new idea they came up with, they had to have, like, the asterisk of this has to be a subscription-based mm-hmm. business, which I thought was interesting because it's it's not about just, like, coming up with business ideas. Like, you have to filter them by, like – what you want to do, what you're good at and all this stuff. And I feel like a lot of our business ideas that we think of are ones that involve the internet, you uh-huh. know? And so like, that's something that we need to dive into more of like, uh, you know, email newsletters, uh, YouTube channels, all this stuff, you know, like, Inter- like, uh, problems that are like solving problems using internet tools. Yeah. Cause yeah. yeah, that's, what's really cool about like living in 2021 and all is we've got all these like tools available to us. Like GitHub, for example. Yeah, yeah. Open source. Like, dude, uh, there's so much. Uh-huh. And even like the way that we run Temple Mill internally is built on a bunch of different softwares. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And uh, it's about like identifying the gaps in those softwares and where you can fit yourself in. Because uh-huh. like um, bullet boards kind of fits in somewhere n- like around Frame.io mm-hmm. and uh what's the storyboarding platform that was like that we used to use called um i was just studio binder studio binder yeah we're like somewhere between frame io and studio binder and um 
But what makes it like unique is it has an aspect to it that neither of those have. Like mm-hmm. it's not like we're just directly copying either place, but we want something that can integrate. And I think that's something that's going to be like essential to businesses in the future is how well can they like integrate with other uh, like APIs or yeah. because the thing is like for me when I sign up for an account, if I can sign up using Gmail and like an account I already have, it makes it easier for me to sign up because mm-hmm. I know that I'm not just like oh, I have to remember a whole nother password, a whole mm-hmm. nother thing. It's like that the password problem is being solved yeah. by technology mm-hmm. where they keep it in your face ID yeah. and you can navigate all your passwords without even seeing them. Yeah. And so it's like one, using the tools available to make it as seamless to make our business a bigger tool right. <laughs> to plug in. Yeah. Kind of weird, like fractals. Yeah. You like uh-huh. zoom in. Yeah. But like, th- dude, business does that. Mm-hmm. And I love that about it. Like the more specific you you can like zoom out really really wide and you're like oh super high level i'm looking at mm-hmm. you know whatever youtube but then i zoom in oh wait within youtube there's all these different types of channels mm-hmm. zoom in more yeah oh, within all these types of channels there's these types of videos right zoom in more you know you keep zooming in yeah until i don't know what until yeah and it's hard because you kind of like for me one of my problems is like uh, it's kind of like a, this zooming process is like a little bit of a slippery slope because like once you start zooming in more and like you are like solving problems, you kind of move faster. Like, um, I don't know, it's kind of hard to think of an example, but like if you go too far, you then have like a very narrow perception of what you're looking at mm-hmm. to where you become, you develop blind spots yeah, yeah, to yeah. other areas where someone who's just looking at it casually is like, Okay, this is cool and all, but what about this? And yeah. you're like, ah, I didn't even think about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why you got to start testing. Because uh-huh. <laughs> put out there and then someone's just like, yeah, but what about this? Right, yeah. As So the Zapier podcast that I was listening to a few weeks ago that I mentioned before on this podcast, but he said like the biggest bottleneck that they faced like when they started to grow was like they would have different teams. Like they have like the the design team of zapier like the creative side that's mm-hmm. responsible for creating landing pages and all this stuff then there's like the programming side of things where they're more interested in like how that program is built on the back end and like uh there's the accounting department and all this stuff and like yeah. he said that they, like they've since solved it by like having big objectives company-wide that everyone is facing like everyone is tackling but he said when they when we didn't have those things, everyone would just get in their own bubbles and start to like have like drama between teams because like the creative team would be like, yo, this this landing page is whack. Like, why don't we put this on here? And but the like, programmers or like maybe the marketers mm. are like, but this one converts better. Like, don't you understand? Like you creatives never do this. Like and they start to like bicker between each other because they're only seeing what's happening in their own ah. lane. But when they started being like what's best for the company like it's not they a set common goals yeah and it's say like, this is your part within a yeah yeah goal. right like the the main reason why like we're even a company is like right now we're trying to solve this uh-huh. and so it doesn't matter if like you're not like that happy with the landing page as long as it's getting us to this point like that's a north what, star that's what we need right now we don't need this to be the best landing page in the world we just need this to be getting us to this and yeah. like everyone can align on that vision and they move, but mm-hmm. like 
when everyone is just left to their own devices, the creatives will be creatives and they'll just optimize for uh, like being the best creative. But like mm-hmm. you have to, it's, it's more of like, again, that like asterisk thing of like, you have to be the best creative, but at tackling this objective that we have right now, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I think that's part of like the role of the founders is setting those, those North stars because something that I've just been really focusing on is like communicate, like narrowing down and refining the communication. Mm-hmm. And that goes uh, in a couple different directions. There's like the communication with your customers, but then there's also communication within your team members. Yeah. And um, that's what's really dope about one of our team members who I'm not going to say, but asks a lot of questions. And it's super helpful because we know like how to refine our systems. Because if we're missing something, they'll definitely point it out. Yeah, They're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, what what day is the shoot? <laughs> yeah. I'll let you know next day. They'll follow up, and it's like those are signs that you need systems for yeah, yeah. communication uh-huh. within. So it's like, okay, if they're always asking me about the location and the time and all this stuff, maybe for every shoot we need to have a, a call form. sheet, yeah, or a oh, form, yeah, a form, a call sheet that has all the details that we give it to them when we like our team members that yeah. has their tasks uh-huh. on it, um, and. But really, like, same with, like, the vision and the goals of the company, being able to, like, narrowly and be concise of, like, like one line, your mission and your mm-hmm. values mm-hmm. and, like, your core values and all this stuff. Because I feel like the entry world of, like, setting a vision for the business, like, when we first started getting into it, it was just, like, write, you know, three to five pages and just, like, brain dump, you know? Yeah. And you need to do that at first to be yeah, able to refine yeah. it. Uh-huh. And, you know, so we started both doing that once every three months or so and now that we've done it like uh these long form visions quite a bit to the point where we've cleared down like what we want like where we want to be in three years yeah um it's now about constant reminders in the short term of that Mm -hmm. rather than having to read the whole thing yeah just like something that airbnb does is they incorporate their values in little places all throughout their office like when you scan your card it will say one of their core values so, like, the, having little reminders, putting yeah. it on merch, yeah. stuff like that. Uh-huh. Um, and, like, of course, still need to have those long-term things for, like, mostly you and me. And, yeah. like, as we have, like, a leadership team, like, the people that are really helping us, like, pave the way, they, they need to be involved in, like, the detailed vision. But all of our team members need to constantly be aware of, like, what are we doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Why do we do right. this? And How do we do it? Uh-huh. Um all these questions. Yeah. I feel like vision and mission are, uh, they're different in my head. Like, cause I feel like before I thought that they were kind of the same, mm-hmm. but like vision is kind of like, it's it, vision is not really necessarily essential for like everyone in the vision or everyone in the company to know necessarily. Uh-huh. Like in my opinion, like I feel like, they don't need to know about like the how big our office needs to be and all this stuff. What's really essential is the mission, and that's mm-hmm. like the why as, as few yeah as few words as possible. I mean not as few, but you have to be descriptive of what you're doing. Like Elon Musk with Tesla is very vocal, like from day one that like we want to uh, accelerate the adoption of electric uh, sustainable energy through cars. Like that's it. 
and like but like he's refined it so much that every single word is intentional yeah is intentional and like everyone like that is so ingrained uh it's like when we were at founders everyone knew like what the elevator pitch was but Uh i feel like if we could go back i would ask more what is our mission like i would rather memorize the mission than the elevator pitch like yeah and uh like because I feel like still to this day, I'm not entirely sure the mission of Founders. Like the move would have been to be so clear. It's like our mission is to make Founders successful and connect them with their community. And like yeah, if they yeah. were very vocal and leaned into that. Mm-hmm. Like, and yeah, I definitely feel like that was one of the problems was like um, not clear outward communication. Yeah. Which because like you have to do it through social media. Uh-huh, yeah. You have to do it in your Slack channels with uh-huh. your teams. Like, yeah. It's everywhere. Yeah. Because – yeah, I learned this also, or I guess it was a reminder more so from reading Austin's book where he talks about, he doesn't necessarily call it mission, but he calls it vision. But like, uh-huh. it's like you have to know your mission uh, and then everything else becomes easier because yeah. like, it's not about just like, uh, like we want to make this company successful. It's like, what does successful even look like? And why does the company exist in the first place? And like, then once you understand, like, a Tesla, like we want to improve the adoption of electric vehicles. Like that's the mission. Now it's like moving backwards. Okay. What are we going to do? Like what's the best way to tackle this? And it's like going backwards. Like what's the best thing we can do this month to like move that forward? Mm -hmm. Like a plan and a strategy built off of the mission. Like, I mean, at bullet boards, it's like, um, giving creators like the tools that they need to create videos faster and easier essentially like yeah. it's kind of loose, simplify loosely and accelerate where, the video production process yeah it's loosely where we're at right now and i feel like that's good like that's almost creating direct camera style yeah videos. like some people call them talking head videos too that could be like a good uh verbiage clarity yeah. cue like maybe you know direct to camera feels weird but yeah. if we say Hey, do you make uh, talking head style YouTube videos, whether they be storytelling or educational mm-hmm. or uh, entertaining? Um, boom, we've got the thing for you. Yeah. But it's all about refining that communication. And it's, har- it's hard because like, it, there's like so many different levels to it. There's like the one line that you need, but then there's also the whole landing page copy that's mm-hmm. like a little bit more detailed. And then there's the blog articles, which are a little bit more detailed on each specific thing. Yeah. And then there's, yeah, it's just everywhere. You know, like it's yeah. kind of a lot, but so um, I've been thinking about it a ton wanna, lately, just constantly You want to hear how I break down in my head? Spit it. So the mission is like why the company exists, right? Uh-huh. And then the landing page, the landing page is for the product or service that you're doing to achieve that mission. Uh-huh. And like the one, the header at the top of the landing page is essentially like it's what that is doing. It's like conveying like the main one liner of that product that you're using. Like it's not to talk about like your mission at the company. Mm-hmm. It's talking about that landing page or that, that product. Yeah. And then all of the copy beneath it is like uh, benefits of that uh, product or service mm. or like features or whatever. Like it's all about like selling that idea um, in the language that the customer avatar uses specifically. Yeah. Like, um, cause like features um, can kind of like bore a lot of people, but if you mm-hmm. um, frame, focus on benefits, yeah, if you frame it in a way that is uh, relevant to them, like, and beneficial to them, they're going to 
and pay that, attention. That's why also like having multiple landing pages mm-hmm. and having your landing page specific to your to the audience that you're targeting. Yeah. So like if you have multiple offers, like one of them is uh, creating specifically uh, event videos, mm-hmm. and another one is specifically creating uh, series videos. You need two different landing pages. Yeah. So that you can specifically uh-huh. get the series offer, specifically the event offer. Yeah, and it's like those two different uh, products that you're offering, whether it be event videos or uh, series, series, they're still serving the overarching mission of the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like when you are doing things that aren't on mission, that's you're heading to a bad sign because uh-huh. you're kind of just uh, money grabbing every money opportun- grabbing ap- every opportunity that you have. Yeah, but like. I was thinking about like what would this be uh, for Temple Mill because I'm still mm-hmm. kind of in, in my head of what that would look like, but I feel like uh, it's essentially a platform. Not, not I mean not platform. That's kind of a buzzword, but a we want to like create uh, like useful and like I don't know. It's kind of like just pursuing ideas that we find dope. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a launch pad for creative ideas. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you know, Convos with Humans is a project from Temple Mill. Mm-hmm. So is, like, Temple Mill Productions, our video stuff. Mm-hmm. And so is Bullet Boards. And also, like, when I'm putting out my music, it's going to be distributed through the Temple Mill label. Yeah. Uh, like, at the bottom of it, it's going to say, you know, Temple Mill. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. And... um. You know, it's that's kind of been one of our struggles, like identifying like exactly what it is. Like when we were only doing video, is like, oh, we tell your story. Yeah, yeah. Super basic, and it's like our goal is to tell your story for you, so that right, you right. can shine the uh-huh. best way. But as we like evolve, you your mission becomes bigger mm-hmm. and still incorporates part of the same things. And now it's not just like telling us; it's it's still tell, storytelling in a way but through other mediums, you know, mm-hmm. like there are going to be stories involved with everything that we do, but, um, there are going to be like softwares and whatever, but it's really just like creative ideas at yeah. the core. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and that's also the part of it that we're the best at, at least right now is that like zero to one mm-hmm. where, um, there are people that focus on specifically taking one to two, two to three, Mm-hmm. Three to four. Mm-hmm. We don't got to go one to four. Yeah. We just got to get really good at zero to one and meet the people who can take us one to two. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe we can learn how to do one to three and one to four and mm-hmm. skip those other steps to do bigger deals. Mm-hmm. But I'm really, ex- I like what you were talking about of like um, the different departments and the different teams. Um, and it makes me just think of like Temple Mill in the future where. You know, we have an executive team. It's like our managers that help us like run everything and overlook their specific departments. There's a creative team that is just all the creatives. We got designers doing landing pages. Mm-hmm. We got songwriters. We got all sorts of stuff, writer, whatever. Then we have uh, like a tech team that's like development. You know, yeah. we've got three guys that do Python, three guys that do uh, Java, like front end, back end, everything. Uh, and then we also have like our, I guess the content will go under the creative as well. Yeah. Um, those are the three main ones I'm excited about is like 
tech, creative, and then executive because the executives are going to help us manage all these people so that we can scale. Mm-hmm. Like you and I can't be the ones that all of our team members are checking into Yeah. Uh, because that's just going to take up all of our time. We got to yeah. prioritize our time doing other things. Yeah, yeah. And so what's going to be dope is like, you know, you and I uh, once a month smoke a J, have some <laughs> ideas and then we set a game plan and then we just communicate it out to the team and we can rapidly prototype. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like to create a landing page, I just have to do some brief sketches on my iPad of like, ah, this is what I think it'll look like. Right. I right. don't even have to write the words in the right font because they already know what font to use based mm-hmm. on our branding guide. Yeah. I just give it to them and then the next day they're like, boom, here's that landing page. Uh, we're going to start shooting the commercial today and we're going to launch this offer by the end of the week. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. And then we can do those rapidly. Uh-huh. Like, Making decisions fast, move fast and break stuff. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Team collaborating, yeah. like that's, yeah, it's like what I mentioned earlier. It's like from what the guy said in the podcast. It's like I want to, I want to get really, really good at uh, rapid prototyping, uh-huh. and it takes a completely different shift of your mindset because, like, when you're when you're in the technical role of a company, like when we're the photographers or the videographers, like you have to be perfect. Uh-huh. You, there's no way around it. Like you can't deliver an MVP product to a customer. Like you, if it's a video, you know what I mean? Like you're getting paid to shoot a video. You can't be like, Hey, here's this uh video. Like, uh, here's the rest of the invoice. And it's yeah. like, just kind of like, whack, like whack. Uh-huh. Like you have to make sure that everything is the, uh, eyes are dotted and the T's are crossed for the thumbnails. Everything the is titles, perfect. And like social media. I feel like that's where like my, mindset and like approach is still like i'm still dealing with the residue of that past thinking Uh uh-huh but what i want to do moving forward is drop that and i mean i'm still gonna have to have a lot of that especially if it's like just me and you Mm -hmm. uh like being able to dive into that deeper but like when it gets to the point where other people can focus on the details i want to i'm really excited to be able to drop that and just be like What's the simplest, most basic, like, uh, embarrassing thing that we can test right now? And then, okay, that doesn't work. Like, we didn't get the feedback that, like... It kept crashing like, this spot. Okay, we, yeah, have to, yeah. we have to fix that before we can test again. Uh-huh. Just getting the m- most basic feedback and changing on a dime immediately. Not, lo- not falling in love with our ideas. Yeah. Like... Dude, as I was, like, uh, recru- like creating new wireframes yesterday for the recording process mm-hmm. on bullet boards not gonna lie i'm like pretty proud of myself yeah it's like, clean i look at it i'm like dude this looks good yeah uh and of course there's so much room for growth and refining yeah but this is a fantastic first step mm-hmm. to where it's like it's looking clean like it doesn't yeah. look like uh some high school project yeah it, like actually looks uh how we envision it to look right like that's kind of the hard first step is like getting the product developed because mm-hmm. you can't make any money off of off of it until it's it, you're able to sign people up even yeah. if it's a very basic mvp and you're maybe having like pre-orders or something yeah but you can't make any money yeah. in the first phase mm-hmm. and so you don't learn these lessons of like w- who's going to use it like these, this user information until you launch mm-hmm. and um we're going over that hurdle and it's lit. Yeah. I'm freaking stoked about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. 
long time coming and I'm ready to like talk like we haven't been able to talk about it either yeah. or anything so keep your ears open and keep on listening to the podcast if you're if you're chilling with your boys mm-hmm. what time are we running at hour 30 so all right this has been a lit one been a lit one you guys listen you want more talk about the future humans aliens whatever <laughs> free we got it for you for free. for free literally I don't want your money um we'll figure out other ways to make money that's not mm-hmm. what this is about mm-hmm. but if you like it then you could definitely leave us a review uh and it would mean a lot to just give us uh some feedback like saying we're talking about user feedback in this for another project but bullet board user feedback is also or what the f- <laughs> Too many combos parts. with humans user feedback different project is uh super important and um I'm not saying that we're going to just sway and just do whatever you guys tell us Mm -hmm. because there's still like a level of authenticity to this where it's like, we're going to just be ourselves throughout the whole thing and keep it real. But in terms of what we're talking about, how we can get you guys more involved with like, um, you know, Twitter, like tweeting at each other or whatever comments on YouTube. Like I didn't realize this. A lot of people will post their, uh, podcast on youtube just so that people can comment mm, yeah even if there's no visual like mm. we put just like a slide like our yeah, yeah. profile look, picture yeah. uh it's just so that people can Dude, comment I'm, I'm down to do that again i think that's the move like i feel like putting my money where my mouth is when it comes to mvps like rapid prototyping mm-hmm. that's something that i wouldn't normally be down for is like just putting up a blank video with uh-huh. but it's like yeah, just drop that. <laughs> you know, just put it out there. Worst case scenario is in six months, if we don't like it anymore, remove all of those videos, you know? And the the dope thing is right now we've got like a solid uh, bank of content that yeah, we can yeah. pull from. Yeah. So we can just go back and pull out clips for mm-hmm. YouTube that are like, I don't know, five, ten minute sections or whatever on specific topics. Yeah. Get really good titles creative thumbnails like prioritize the title and the thumbnail yeah and then uh create a strategy where we can post like two a day for a week mm-hmm. two weeks three weeks then we're gonna be rolling yeah at least in uh video content a anyways uh y'all are lit this was a dope pod it was dope fun and we got more coming we got some you know maybe i have my brother gabe on oh yeah maybe might have some other some other people in the works. Low key might be talking to Kanye West. Nah, just kidding. Ah. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Not me. I don't know. But anyways, uh hope you guys enjoy it and we'll talk to you later. Catch on the flip. flip.